Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. And today, I don't know if this human is motivated, inspirational, or just a nut. It's probably not the way you've been uh, introduced before, but I have Bonnie Hancock here. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. No, I'll, I'll take that introduction. I've been called You are crazy. crazy like, seriously, you are, you've done some crazy <laughs> shit recently. And oh. I tell you what, it is highly inspirational. Thank you. And a lot of people out there probably don't know that you're a dietitian as well. I am a dietitian. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, graduated from Griffith up here on the Gold Coast, actually, Move from Coffs Harbour to come up here and do uni and, and become an iron woman. So yeah, no, I was getting to that bit. <laughs> also, next to you is another dietitian, Mark. How are you, mate? Mark's our in-house dietitian here at Body Science. Very good, Greg. So you guys can you guys can talk some nerd in a second. That'll mm-hmm. be exciting. We can especially when we start talking about some of the things you've done, like your recent big thing. And I mean, you've done a lot of recent big things. You've got yeah, you're the. F- Longest, fastest. Yeah. You've got two world records? Two world records, yeah. They've just been verified. So it takes so long to be verified through Guinness World Records. You've got to submit all of the data, the boat logs, the witness statements, over all our GPS data. So um, officially the fastest person to have paddled around Australia uh, and also have the female record for longest distance in 24 hours uh, paddling, which is 235 kilometres. And for a time I had the overall record and it's just been broken by some men in South Africa who had a crack at it. Wow. You and now you start to think, do I go back and have another oh. go? But we'll, we'll uh, leave that one for now, I think. <laughs> I just don't know how to take that. Wow. <laughs> go back and do it or not. I don't think you need to, no, Bonnie. Yeah. There's there's nothing more to prove. Exactly. I mean, how I'm thinking the same thing. It's right? incredible. I would um I would have definitely decided to have retired on top, just right <laughs> where you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm yeah, yeah, very very stoked to get the world records. It's interesting actually because I'm also the youngest to have paddled, and that used to be a record. But apparently, all these kids were coming out doing crazy things, and they had to actually stop that. There's no more youngest to do so. So yeah, that was interesting. Hey, nothing like a driven mum and dad. <laughs> hey, let's let's. Stay Step back a bit, like you you paddled around Australia, but let's talk about the reason that you did that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's a pretty cool story, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah, and it only kind of came out, I guess, after the more I thought about it, how I was meant to pick up that book that day. So mid COVID, twenty twenty, in lockdown, no restaurants were open, no cafes. The library had just opened back up. I love going to the library. Massive nerd was perusing the um, biography section, and I picked up three books and one was a book on Winks, there's a book on the late Shane Warne and the third was a black book called Fearless. Saw a woman with cross paddles on the cover and thought, that looks interesting. I didn't even look any further on it so I picked it up. It was the third book I got to and it was about Freya Hofmeister. She's a German woman who paddled around Australia in 2009. She beat the three blokes that had done it prior to get the world record and honestly from a chapter into reading that book I was just had this overwhelming feeling like this is something I have to do. It was just like, I've got to do this. I finished the book, turned to my husband and I said, I want to paddle around Australia. And I, I commonly tell this story, but he looked at me. With, he, he, he didn't know what to say. And if anyone knows Matt, he never has a bad word to say. And I think he didn't want to crush my spirits and say that is absolutely nuts because it is. Freya had been chased by crocodiles, chased by sharks, had so many near misses that you would be crazy to do this trip. For six months, I then shelved the idea. I shelved the idea and I thought of all the reasons not to do it. But that idea, it would not go away. And eventually I, I wrote a list and I wrote all the, the whys and the why nots and there were so many why nots. But the biggest why was that I didn't want to get to be an old woman and regret not having done it. 
it was that fear of regret. And I could envision myself as an old woman sitting there regretting not having done the part. And I thought, stuff that, I'm jumping in. And from the moment we committed and I revisited with Matt, he came on the journey with me. We went all in. But that started the process of having to raise over $200,000 and planning a trip in the stunning but often scary and treacherous coastline of Australia. Mm, well said. That's that's very well documented story. Oh, right I'm thinking of shark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, for you to have that big list, mm-hmm. did you repeat any words on that, the negative side of why to do it? Like, surely shark gets rid of more than once. 100%. Yeah, yeah, sharks. Like, I mean, in Australia, we are known for having some of the most There's dangerous creatures sharks in down the there. world, right? Like, South Australia, Western Australia, mm-hmm. there are so many great white attacks that have been documented, some fatal. Um, I was going to be paddling a long way out to sea. So to break this record, I had to head out to sea. So Australia's coastline is far from a perfect circle. So you don't want to hug the coastline. You so paddle too much, is that why? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So so the there was the one, the, the big bite, the yeah. great Australian bite. There's two big chunks out of the country. There's the Gulf of Carpentera up the top. There's a great Australian bite down underneath. Didn't I would say, yes. yeah, a thousand kilometers in cutting straight across. And I knew I had to do that to get the wow. record. Wow. So that meant you were how deep? 500 kilometers out to sea. And the best 500 way, kilometers? 500. Okay, so how does rescue come into this? There is no rescue. Okay. So firstly, to get give a scope on how far out I was, I was 100K out most days to see. So when you stand on a beach and look out, it's 40K to the horizon you can see. So it's 100K out. That's no land in sight. 500K is out of helicopter range. There's no one coming to help you if something happens for a couple of days at least. Wow. Ooh, the horizon is 40K. 40K, you can see the horizon. So more than double that each day. And it took me a about a month. I was packing it for the first few weeks paddling that far out. It's hard to explain the feeling of being on a tiny little nine kilo carbon fiber ski. I have a catamaran with me, but I can only get a hundred meters to it. Distance from it's 10 ton. You hit that cat. It can be fatal. You're coming out second best. And I did Mm. crash into the catamaran a couple of times and had a few near misses, but I managed to for the most part, stay well away from it. But you're getting sweaty palms. I'm, I'm more nervous. I don't know. The sharks are getting bigger in my head. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that's happening to me. The sharks are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, down near Port Lincoln, which is where they do the um, cage diving, they ski, um, I did crash into the catamaran and got a hole in my ski. And my husband, Matt, was on land. He had to come out with a jet ski to where we were and a tiny little island off of there, pick the ski up take it back by jet ski and drop the ski back out the next day after it was fixed. No so way. So he's putting away on this little ski in shark-infested waters to get the ski to me. So there was us on the boat and me on the there ski. There you are. You're on a ski paddling across it and you're making him out to be the hero. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, it's the whole crew. They're all heroes to me because I could not have done this without my crew. Every single day I relied on them to get me through. I looked mm. at them. I drew motivation from them. And um, yeah, mentally and physically, to be honest. At the end of the day, for the first month, adapting to 100K day, I was on the deck, sprawled out, unable to move, barely able to talk. And they would massage me, get my dinner. You know, down in Victoria, you're looking at a couple of degrees in the air outside. It's 10 degrees in the water. It's like an ice bath. That crew, you literally rely on them so you don't get hypothermia. They've got the hair dryer down a space blanket, like crazy, crazy stuff. How long were you paddling for during that timeline when it was that cold? So about 16 hours a day down um, in the bite. I did about 18 hours. So you're doing 16 hours a day? Yeah, 18 hours a day across the bite. Yeah. Who gave you the, the knowledge of what you needed to take and where during that 
Because, mm. I mean, on the yep. Gold Coast, you know, our winters are like We do not dress for, exactly. for cold up here, right? Like, and it's like the Nordic countries, it's designed for the cold. Mm. They dress properly, they have heating. I learnt a lot. I, I got advised by the skipper to pack, you know, really good sailing gear. Didn't do that. So I got down there and didn't really have enough. I was putting the same wet steamer on every day because oh, my no thermals thanks. weren't thick enough. Yeah. Pulling a wet steamer on, um, nothing was dry either. <laughs> nothing would dry. So you'd hang something out and it just go oh, freezing cold. As a surfer, um, nothing worse than a wet, no. wet too. Right. Like, and that was just all day, every day. It just became normal to me. We, we sort of had to normalize it to some degree and bring humor into it as well. And we would joke about these things as a crew because it was just ridiculous. You couldn't make it up. How thick a wetsuit were you wearing? A full three. Mm. Yeah, full three. Meals. How was that so, paddling? Mm. Actually, and I will drop, Vicovi is a brand um, done here in Australia. And he, um, Pat, the owner, has a sailing background. And he has done so much research on, you know, um, movement with the garment and sort of, um, you know, that flex in the garment. It was fantastic. Oh, wow. But I had a beanie on. I had gloves on. I had booties. I had a jacket on over the top. Mm. So when I fell out, it was really hard to get back How many in. times did you fall during that? I, I was falling out. I'm asking some dumb questions. I'm just thinking. No, no, yeah. no. They're actually great. <laughs> they're actually great questions because I, I forget about these things because it became so normal. I was falling out three to five times a day. Because if I can ask, if you're in your skis how long? Uh, six metres. Six metres. So you're moving forward at what speed were you doing? So in the flat, I would hold around 11 to 12K an hour. With the tailwind, I could get up to 14 to 17K an hour. Also. So you're going across the bite, you fall off sideways, so you go underwater and on a different angle to your ski. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got to swim in that. How cold was the water again? It was about 10 degrees in the water. So I was strapped to my ski by the stage with a safety line and carabiner. It's what Jess Watson uses to attach herself to a boat when you watch yeah. that movie True Spirit because the leggies or the leg ropes we normally um, use weren't strong enough. They would just snap in the wind gust. Wow. So I tried that earlier, but the beauty was starting on the Gold Coast and working our way down gave us the time to test our protocols, test everything. And when we got to the bite, I'm there with stainless steel, like carabiners on. So when I fell off, I would get dragged with my ski, but it was all on me to get back in because that boat can't get near me. Are you just thinking like game fishing, like as a human being dragged on a yeah. – you are a nut. Yeah. I've got to give you full credit there because I'm sitting here thinking there is not one chance that I would even have jumped in with you and – on any of that. I'm happy to say that publicly. Greg was telling us before he was boasting about how once he paddled out just around the shock nets and thought it was brave. Oh, just, yeah. just on the surfboard we, well, paddling we out the shock net. The yeah. a little bit of when, when you're doing that, yeah. your yeah. brain changes during yeah. the paddle. Because I'm yeah. not real, I don't really fear mm. sharks in the water because I've mm. been in the water a lot. Down there, all I can think of. Yes. As soon as sharks. you get close to the nets, you yeah. get all. And that right. ski at six meters is not long. So enough. imagine no. <laughs> imagine that. It's it's um and I did there were a couple of times I did see shadows. It was really eerie because we saw nothing for the two weeks, but it is so quiet out there. Like there's it's no probably worse than that. It's so quiet. It's <laughs> really? so quiet. A squawk of a bird will make you jump like. And all we saw was mutton birds and albatross. These huge albatross with the broad wingspan would follow Love me all day. They're beautiful. Mm. Um, we expect yeah. we, they we, they told us to expect killer whales. They told us yeah. to expect great white sharks. And I was normalizing the fact that I would see them before the trip. I was actually looking at pictures of okay. sharks and crocodiles to envision what it would look mm. like if they came up to me <laughs> so I didn't fall out and yeah, I was good. almost in a mind frame of oh, wow. You're ready for like it. I was going mm. to see them at any time. The crocodiles are a whole other story as well. And they start from Broome and go all the way through to pretty much Townsville. So wow, that's a fair. third of our coastline. Yeah, exactly. 
I didn't know that before the trip. Did they go far out in the water? They do. They travel between the islands. So we were told that the best chance I had of survival or avoiding a crocodile attack was to head as far out to sea as possible because they're more populated in the coast. They said they get bigger as they cross between the islands. So you're heading out to get less, but that's where you can come across the big ones. So you're going to have to paddle in crocodile waters at some stage or other on this trip. Whether you choose to do that bit first or last, you got to do it. you got to paddle every metre. Yeah, Was any of this at night? A lot at night. And that's something I often <laughs> forgot to tell, forget to tell. So firstly in the bite, I was falling out at night time. It would take 500 metres for the boat to be able to turn around and come back to me, my catamaran. So for 500 metres, I was in the water with a head torch on. Often there was no moons so when you no, have a new moon or no, no way. moon. So that boat's sailing away. It's just me and my head torch. And I'm in that water waiting for them to come back. There was a day where I... I was in the water for 10 minutes. It takes 12 minutes of submersion to get hypothermic and I couldn't pull myself back into the ski. I was going to ask you that, like it was one of your biggest challenges getting back on your ski when you fell off. 100% because you've got all this gear on, right? You've got a jacket on, you're in a wetsuit, you're in booties. So you're trying to, and this is at the end of what, 150, maybe, you know, further in a day, Um, you you have no – really. You wouldn't even have been able to straighten your hands, would you? Like No, the finger joints were one of the biggest things that threatened to um, bring this paddle undone. So your muscles can condition, obviously, to the load to some degree, but your joints can't. So I got bulging discs in my back by the end. I had my fingers swollen to twice the size. So the joints were the most painful part. And the only thing that helped them, and it took us until Darwin to figure it out, was trawling gloves because they've got the cross hatching and a lot of grip. So I wouldn't have to grip the paddle as much. They sort of allowed me to relax. So I'm there with trawling gloves on. Like we tried everything. So Obviously the BSC collagen as well would have helped. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) honestly, well, I was going to say I was smashing the body science products and I know we'll get into that but up in the Northern Territory when we talk about challenges for me one of the biggest things was the heat and that actually made me feel quite sick and nauseous through the day. Oh the extremes I didn't even think of that. Yeah so one of the things I kept down was actually the body science shakes and I was just desperately trying to get protein in as well because my muscle mass was starting to. And as a dietitian too you know what's happening to your body it's not just ouch that's hurting. Well absolutely. You actually know what's happening. It was actually one of the worst things because I planned you know had all this plan and you know, you can only, fresh food only lasts so long on a boat and then you're going to frozen anyway. But I had a plan and what I was going to do. And once I got seasick, that just went out the window. Out the window as soon as my tummy, so as soon as I started vomiting, which started happening from around the Victorian border, where the basically got more treacherous and the swells picked up and we were a long way out to sea, I was holding nothing down. Really? It was horrible. Yeah. Wow. So I've never had seasickness, but I've laughed at some mates that have had it because <laughs> when you don't have it, it's quite funny. <laughs> but they tell me, it is the worst place in the world to be. It's the only thing that makes it better is to lay flat on your back outside and get your body temperature down. But I'm on a ski and you've got that exertion. Were you getting it on your ski? Oh, yeah. I was Stop I was it. projectile vomiting out into the water on my ski when all there was left was stomach acid to vomit up. I was dry reaching and bringing up stomach acid. It was ugly as. It was disgusting. Like, yeah. has, has anyone ever <laughs> spoken about being seasick on a ski? I don't know if anyone's done it, but it was, on yeah. A paddle around a street. Yeah, yeah. When you start putting it all together, 
together. It sounds like fun. It was <laughs> the, the challenges came from places I didn't expect. Yeah. I didn't think I got seasick. Honestly, I I'd been up to the Great Barrier Reef once, and I thought I was sick because I was hungover. It was during uni <laughs> placement, and I thought, no, no, it's fine. Took the medication up there. Everything was coming up, and it was about half the crew, so it got to half of us. The other half were fine. Oh wow! So you know that some of our crew were suffering really badly, <laughs> and luckily by that stage, the less experienced sailors had taught the sorry the more experienced had taught the less experienced sailors, and people were able to step up because you've got a twenty four hour watch. Yeah, because they would have had roles too, and safety would be a big part of that. 100%, I assume. Yeah. Right. So you've got the experienced sailors who have sailed in storms and sailed. No one had sailed that far out to sea though. The skipper had. Sorry, the skipper had crossed the bite, but no one else had. No one else had sailed more than what twenty. 50k offshore so everyone was out of their comfort zone and i would look at them see them vomiting see them in pain and think my job here is to paddle as far mm. and fast as i can every day and that helped pull me through too mm. that would have motivated you exactly. you're responsible i was the only one who could take those strokes i couldn't pass that button on it had to be me mm. so in, in these big sessions you did where you went out to ocean how many days were on the water before you actually hit land again so we were across the bite we it took 13 days to paddle across and then another are two days to actually get to the mainland. So before we're back on land, it's 15, 15 days. It was quite common to go a couple of weeks at sea throughout the trip without touching land. And by the time you come back to land, you're kind of Oh, can you like get comfortable you're once you're back on land? Oh, you feel like you're still in the ocean, to be honest. Mm. And there's no reception for that time either. So I wasn't able to speak to Matt, my husband, for that time. He's on land, just following a little dot working its way across the bite or wherever we were. No family contact. Yeah, that was incredibly tough. I know you're going to say that he was essential for you from the land perspective to go from port to port or, play, or, or wherever you're going, but I'm going to make a bullshit call on that and say that he just wasn't any good on a boat. <laughs> he was actually horrible on a boat. He got very seasick, so it probably worked out well. Um, to be honest, we were heading down the New South Wales coast and the WA Premier closed the borders before my oh, trip, wow. the borders had opened no. up. Well, you, you, we're going to talk about overcoming objections and issues soon because I really want to know how you got that, how you processed that. Yeah, it was so tough. Like they opened the borders. I thought, awesome, this is great timing. Like the borders have opened before I've left. Then he closed the borders. So I'm heading down the New South Wales coast without the guarantee we we're going to cross into that WA. We started looking at options of heading out into international waters <laughs> as an option to be able to get around. So we'd have to head another 500k out to get international waters. Um, so we were looking at that as a very real possibility of pulling this world record off as in not coming to land once through the whole thing to get into that in, to get into WA. So there was an issue with you getting across the border, even being that far out to sea. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically just- Sea COVID was a bad thing. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was someone, I think it was the people who were jumping on yachts, you know, crossing uh, gotcha. borders yeah, and things okay, that yeah. probably caused the issue. So you weren't allowed to come in by boat. You weren't allowed to come in anyway. And it was, people were almost locked in the state, you know, and mm. if family was outside, you were not allowed to- come in or out. He he closed those borders hard, hard. like they did in New mm. South Wales and Queensland. Like you had families either side of that border. People weren't able to see grandkids and all sorts of things. Yeah, so, it's a tough time. So they yeah. thought you were pulling a really elaborate move going out that Probably. on a ski yes, to try and trick yeah. them. Look, but, I don't yeah. know, but Matt did manage mm. to get the exemption. So basically mm. 
when we found that out, he had to hit land because someone had to pull that off to get the exemption and the paperwork was ridiculous. So he managed to do that just in time. And we were told as we were heading out into the bite that we had to spend a full 18 days away from civilization. So even though we would be 500k out to sea, we still, when we returned, had to spend another couple of days on the boat before we set foot on land. So, you know, COVID wasn't that long ago and we forget how yeah, we do forget us, right? Yeah. I actually don't know what to say right now. There's just <laughs> so many obstacles. Yeah. So talk us through when you finish a day, like potentially a 16 day, like yep. you said, what's the first thing you look forward to when you get onto yep. the boat? Being what's able your to, first hour of yep. water? Being able to eat something without like the ocean washing it. So there were yeah. times where I would have an awesome meal, like the guys had just made me like a wrap with chicken and vegetables on my lap and I open up like the foil or whatever, go to eat it, and then a wave comes yeah, in and soaks it. It's uh, devastating. The Try- small things in right? life, you're just looking forward to that and oh my gosh. that gets spoiled. So yeah. definitely come on the boat. Um, and honestly, the first thing I would do is uh, grab a body science shake and mm-hmm. get that into me because no matter how much my stomach was swelled up, I could hold that down. Yeah, and the other thing cool. when it was hot was getting my body temperature back down. So cooling fluids okay. helped to do that. And then the guys would normally have, and by guys, I mean my crew on the boat mm. would normally have made me up some sort of meal. Mm. Um, if I finish, had an earlier finish that might look, as I said, like a wrap, mm. usually a heated meal. Um, if it was in the cold, we would get mm. as much hot. Um, food so it would be more like um, soups and you mm. know casseroles and things like that up in the northern territory I had to get smoothies down with yeah. the protein powder because I couldn't even think about holding down a hot meal up there so, so very dependent on the weather for that day 100%. yeah what you would feel like exactly yeah. what you would feel like and you would have yeah. random cravings like halfway through the day you'd like give me salt you know yeah. or if I did start to cramp and it would always be yeah. in my feet definitely the salt was important yeah. sodium but yeah, and then what I would do would be to have a shower and wash the salt water oh. off me, which is the best feeling. <laughs> but when I say shower, I'm talking about from Darwin onwards when we had a catamaran with a shower. Over to Perth, we had a catamaran without a shower. So all I got was one bucket of warm water over my head in the no, Great Australian you Bike. You couldn't even oh, have wow. a shower Mm-mm. after that. So warm water, one bucket over the head, and that was it for the day. And it is amazing how you strip things back and that yeah. minimalism, you just you soak that up, that one bucket of water I would look forward to. And yes. it, it didn't even become that I missed a hot shower. I just enjoyed that one bucket. It was, it's crazy how you it adapt It goes like back that. to yeah. putting things into perspective. You're yeah. just after the very basic core yeah. essentials of life and you're satisfied with that. <laughs> 100%, honestly. And I did try to reframe things like in the bite. There was a time where I started getting into a victim mentality. Like, as I said, I wish I could pass the baton on. I wish someone else could be doing this mm. or it's, it was a relay. Or why did I choose mm. to do this on my own? And then I would look up and see the Southern Cross shining across the sky, 500k to see, no mm. light pollution, mm. and be like, wow, that what an been. opportunity yeah. this is. Mm. This is the only time you will ever get to do this. No one has ever done mm. this before in history, paddled across here. So you are seeing a perspective that is so rare from your little ski up. And I think just that feeling makes you realize that you're so small in the world. I think that's a really healthy thing to. It's true, because we've talked more about the challenges and the craziness of this, but maybe not actually. Well, the the blessings and the happiness involved yeah. in this also, and how much you you could actually take enjoyment. You had to mm. find those moments. Mm. You absolutely had to because out there, when you're seasick, like food's not a source of comfort or joy. Mm. I, my music was definitely that was really okay. important to me. 
and people often ask what I listen to. Your playlist. I yeah. listen to Eminem. Like okay. I reckon I would have listened to one of his albums 5,000 times. Like honestly, you are, the way this grows, you almost start to feel like you are Eminem. Stormzy is another one, right? Like what's that? Just drop a few lines. Oh, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Good we plug for Eminem. We all know how lose yourself goes. But um, <laughs> I think he tried to sue a US presidential candidate the other day for actually rapping some of his lyrics. Oh, wow. I just saw that. Okay. And when I wrote my book, book um i tried to put some of the eminem lyrics in and then the editor said take that straight out because you've actually got to pay for that and yep. it's very expensive obviously to use his lyrics which i didn't realize that so i actually was trying to bring people into that moment where i was rapping to myself something like sort of that sounded a bit like it then did you did you pick up on that yeah yeah look <laughs> get the hoodie out eh? but um you do have to find little sources of joy and comfort and a huge part of that is taking in your surroundings were you playing it into your ears or were you pumping it from the boat so at the start we were pumping it from the boat and yep. then the uh derogatory terms um probably wasn't appropriate all the time to be blasting so we actually got these shocks earphones which are waterproof the best yep. things ever they sit just here they don't sit within your ear they actually sit just outside your ear are they bone conducting ones exactly yep. yes that's well, thank you they were awesome and the charge they last all day okay. and i would just have them going all day and because i couldn't hold a conversation in the wind with my crew it almost felt like you had company because mm. if you took that out Mm. Yeah, okay. Makes you make a massive is. difference. Yeah. I can imagine. That must be so crucial in, in retrospect to this whole trip. I literally mm. think it got through. Yeah. Because if I took them out and it's just the wind I can hear, you're thinking, was that mm. a shadow mm. or was that a shark? Mm. Was that like you're jumping at shadows? But with that music in, you're just working your way through each song to the next. And when you are in <laughs> so much pain, <laughs> I'm not going there. When you're in so much you're pain, start you, watch. you can only work to the next song that's sometimes or you can't even look past that wow that's setting some small fast goals yeah exactly saying really agile get to the next song as best you can yeah that changes now go change your tempo up and down with the tempo of the song but i figure these things out as i went final question about the comfort when you get off so when you're on the boat so you've had the quick bucket shower You've had some food, and then is there a comfortable place to rest? So on a no, boat, it's, it's like it's like being on a roller coaster. It's like I remember times in the Gulf where I had one foot pushed against the wall, one against the dining table to stop myself sliding across the boat and slamming into the wall because that happened. So this boat, these boats just get rocked. This swells are five to six meters, so the swells are so big that the catamaran would drop out of sight as I'm paddling. So when you're on the boat, it's like being on a roller coaster. You've almost got but yeah, brace yourself or you can get really hurt. Everything's got to be strapped down. There can be nothing loose like on a table, the, the galley or the kitchen, no knives, nothing is allowed to be taken out. Because if that knife goes flying, then it's hitting someone. So, um, yeah, you literally just try to lay flat, try to get as warm as possible. Um, and I did use the the boots as well as a bit of a flush before I got the massage. And they made a huge difference too, the, the compression boots. Okay. So we tried to bring that level of professionalism to yes. it. But it was it was ugly. It was so ugly. I've never been on a boat long, t- like for weeks. Mm-hmm. Does it become a toxic environment? There's no privacy. Yeah. And I'm someone who needs my privacy, right? Like I think most of us have that. We're, we're social beings, but we need that time to own, to reflect and to think and, you know, plan and all of that. You don't have that. So even when we did have reception, you want a conversation on the phone, like everyone's hearing it. Yeah. 
yeah, okay. You want to talk to someone on the boat, everyone can hear. It's like a tiny little, it's literally like the space of this room, a tiny little living room with cabins thrown in there. There's no privacy. That's what I really struggled with. Yeah, okay, wow. Yeah. That's a big one. Hi, I'm Tom Green, Olympic champ from Tokyo. And if you want the best tasting protein bars on the market, you should try the new Body Science Moose Range. Greg, you better be testing those. Mate, they're getting drug tested, got you covered. Okay, I'm going to have to ask the nerds here, the two, the two dietitians. <laughs> How many calories a day were you expending? I know. Oh, my gosh. Um, up to 10,000 calories a day. Wow. Which is about what I'd been told to expect. And it was in the cold water particularly. Yeah. So it was your body's trying to keep warm um, because I was so freezing cold in between. So I was actually expending energy even when I wasn't in the water. But I did put 15 kilos on prior to this trip. Mm-hmm. To I, I, I didn't even really do a rough estimate. I thought I'll put on a significant amount of weight. I lost exactly 15 kilos, which makes me look good. But I it literally was just a guess. And I just knew that if I was going to be paddling that far, I would lose weight. And I thought if I go in at like an Iron Woman kind of racing weight with minimal body fat, that's not smart because I'm hitting the deep, the cold water, you know, one month in. So it did save me. I think the weight saved me from hypothermia a couple of times, to be honest. But it was un- I was uncomfortable leading and sitting in. Yeah, because it wouldn't be nice. Sit. You normally sit a lot leaner to sit in a boat. Yeah. I mean, I, I might have a little belly that you guys haven't seen, but you can sitting is. Well, they're 45 centimetres across. Yeah. They're 45 centimetres across. 15 kilos, well, that's a big. Right. Yeah. yeah a- across the seat. So they are very, very tippy. So, and when I got to WA, I'd, I'd pretty much um, lost that weight. I lost eight kilos in two weeks across the bite which isn't a healthy amount of weight to lose just everything no food held down like mm. huge case and stress oh, sure. so you're, yeah you're doing 10,000 calories a day and not able to eat food mm. yeah so wow expending 10,000 wow. calories which is 42,000 kilojoule mm-hmm. for those in kilojoules so you're expending that much mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. no way you're able to replenish anywhere near to that Absolutely not. And I could just feel my, like, I was really surprised when we got in. I pretty much went straight to hospital, got all the blood mm. tests done, and everything came back okay. But I'd made sure leading in, like, particularly iron as a female athlete had been an issue for me. I made sure that my iron was sitting, you know, in the higher end of normal, mm-hmm. and everything was okay. Mm. But I had to get the IV fluids pumped in, like, liters of IV fluids, more as a precautionary thing. I was so dehydrated too. Wow. Lips, but like, it's obviously a testimony to your knowledge and your history of being a professional athlete that you would be able to come out of this. Oh, okay. I'll just call it a weapon. Yeah, like, wow. I, I think <laughs> just by the end, I, the biggest one for me is, well, I could feel when my blood mm. sugars would just go so low mm. and that's when I would desperately try to get at least some lollies in. That's but it a was, dangerous space to be in a yeah, big waterway when you're like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like you can feel like you've got the shakes, you've got the low blood sugar levels and the most distressing thing is trying to get, say, some straight trying to get some lollies in or something really quick and vomiting those up so you're trying to do the right thing and you're vomiting up. it's it's absolutely awful and people often ask you know would you do it again i'd never do it again i'd love for someone to do it and have a go at the record and help them but i think mm. the sense of naivety is kind of protected protective thing too i'm really glad i didn't know what was coming across there to be honest yeah going to a coaching role mentor yeah mm. yeah definitely well you do have a coaching mentoring role now don't you yeah well i am i'm at mermaid b 
beach and, you know, how it worked out. When I came back, I didn't really know what my plan was moving forward. I hadn't planned to go back nipper coaching, but I got a call from the surf club. They said, do you want to be our head nipper coach? And I said, oh, give me, give me time to think. I was sitting at home. I'd been told by multiple people who had done adventures to be careful of the low that can happen after. They said, just don't do nothing. You've gone, you've been on this huge high. You've had a team around you. Don't come back to nothing. And I said, yes. It was the best decision because it allowed me to tie in with this community. And now I'm at Mermaid Surf Club. I'm the head nipper coach there. We've got some young girls coming through and I'm so excited about that. And it is a really exciting time to be an athlete, to be a female athlete, just to be anyone. I think at the moment there's so many opportunities. So I'm excited for that next generation. Yeah. To, to I love where it. sport's going yeah. at the moment. I really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah that's but great. that's not the coaching mentoring I was talking about. I'm talking about your shy side. Well, you don't tell people that you actually go into businesses and do coaching and mentoring. <laughs> oh, yes. This is the one that helps pay back the bills. Yeah. Because there was some serious bills on your trip. Your trip was massive and you raised money for charity as well. Like you didn't yeah. just take it all and no. use it to make things better. You yeah. raised money for mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So gotcha for life. And it was through um, through COVID, the mental health rates were climbing. Mm. Um, they were climbing in youth as well and it wasn't spoken about. So a depression, anxiety and suicide side rates were climbing and they said it was to do with the isolation so as I said we're social beings people lost connection I thought I want to do some good with this paddle I know I want to do some good with it I started looking into charities I'd heard about Gus Warland and the work he does at Gotcha for Life he lost his best mate to suicide thought I want to help that in whatever way I can I want to help this charity started out what I didn't expect was the community of people that we would develop that would follow this journey and message every day so cool encouraging telling stories about someone they'd lost close to them struggles they'd had themselves so we raised $120,000 which was incredible but Thank you. It was the people, everyone who was going to that site to donate was reading about what Gotcha for Life does. And it's kind of come full circle because I'm now an ambassador for them and I deliver workshops to to corporates in schools and teach people about building mental fitness. And a big part of that is having a village around you, knowing who to reach out to when you're struggling and what to say when someone comes to you as well. Before we miss this and forget it, if a corporate wants to get in contact with you to come and talk to their team, and you, you, all levels of management and team in in the space you're in, yeah? Absolutely. That's, That's the beauty of it. Yeah, we address... You know, corporate schools, community groups, sporting groups, um, whoever, all genders. Yeah, you know, so I speak for Gotcha for Life and I also do my own corporate speaking as well with that sort of more motivational style. Um, but, yeah, reach to out. To be honest, I sat through one of those, loved it. <laughs> if people want to get you to come yep. in and do some motivational stuff with their team, yep. how do they find you? So either the website, bonniehancock.com or across any that of the social That was really media. quick. Bonniehancock.com. Is that B-O-N-N-I-E? Yes, it's H-A-N-C-O-C-K. So either the the website or any of the social media platforms too. I'm regularly on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, reach out on any of those and yeah, I would absolutely love to talk to you, whoever you are out there. And look, just to back that up again, Sheree, our CEO got you in to come and do something with our team recently in a, uh, what do we call it, a reset we did here at Body Science, we do regularly. And I tell you what, it was, you had people just going because you've sort of been on the team for, oh, it's been off and on for a while yeah but you're probably a very cemented in almost hung on the wall name here now because everybody when you walked out just went oh my god what a legend and it was and what you what you talked about and look people go to the website if you want to know 
what Bonnie does in that space, but it really resonated with a lot of, um, I'm going to say that the middle part of our team, like the, the, and I hate using the word mums and dads and that type of stuff, but those of us that have got kids and young kids and where, where life's, you know, there's a lot of struggles being a parent these days. It's tough out there, as you know, and you really brought in a, a feeling of victory to the team and it was epic. Like, yeah, it was it was really good. Well, I always say that you can feel a culture about a place when you walk in the door. And I really did feel, I feel that every time I walk into Body Science Headquarters and I felt it that day and you just, the way the team just gets around each other. And some of the questions were really impressive, to be honest, the way that people really thinking about it and putting their own spin on the journey too. Yep. And I think everyone kind of takes something different out of my story, which I find really, really fascinating and rewarding. I think yeah. part of the, the cool part of what you did is you are going to launch a series like a TV series? Yeah, so or yeah, we've, a doco, we've got a, a documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's we're in the final stages of of producing that at the moment, which is so exciting. So it's coming out early next year. It's it's going to be post the book, which comes out in February. So and, book in February and... Yeah, doco, I'm saying March or April for yep. the doco, so they'll be close together. I'm is so it excited. one... <clears throat> Are we going to go feature length? Yep, nice. 60 minutes is what we're looking at at the yeah, moment. Yeah, cool. And I know nothing in that space. You know, it was funny though, like what what I was getting to with that, which which led into talking about that was put a little bit of the footage up when you're doing your talk and everyone was just mouths open going, (gasps) because you can tell someone, hey, I patted across the bite. Yeah. Until you see that. Yeah. And oh, then, that's just a, or, And you see yeah. the cliffs and you see like, even if I got in trouble, I'm not getting yeah. out of the water. Like yeah. the things that went through my head watching that was just, yeah. thank yeah, you. apart I, from your nut, it was, it was, you know, you're a weapon. Like you really are an incredible thank human. You. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm really excited for the book and documentary because they're sort of different as well. The book type takes a big deep dive into where my mind went in that time, what got me through, yep. what gets you through paddling for two weeks that far out to sea. How do you get through a moment where your crew's seen a shark at night and you've got to get in the water the next day back in that same spot Mm. and then the doco is high action intense just Mm. all crammed into that hour and yeah they're they're two different mediums very much i'm excited and bonnie talking to you offset i know that um you were explaining that you actually have learned so much now about being an author in a way because you've actually authored this book yourself and plus you're narrating it as well so that's been a whole another journey in your life that you've now got that skill as well a whole other journey so so, yeah, when I came back, I literally knew nothing about making a documentary, knew nothing about, you know, a book, like publishing a book. Mm. I'd, I've always loved writing. And when I made that decision in 12 and what to do, it was either dietetics or journalism was the other one I was looking at. I love writing. I've always done it. And I wanted to write the book myself. I wanted yeah. to put pen to paper. I didn't want to have a ghost wow, Old school. Old school. So submitting that first draft, I was nervous on a whole different level. I was like, I'm used to what I do as an athlete. You get feedback. You're performing essentially and putting yourself out there to fail. This was the same thing. It was like, this might be terrible. I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's okay. But um, And the documentary is a bit different because it's sort of out of our hands. The producer's making it. Um, but I've still got a, a good say in what we're going to show. But yeah, the book, I was hectic, out of the comfort zone. <laughs> Can I ask a dumb question? Like you just did, what, 12,700 kilometres? Yeah. Did you... Did someone put a film team on your boat or did you guys do that yourself as part of it? And how does it all work? Yeah, we organized it ourselves. I yeah. knew I wanted to share the journey. I had the idea of, you know, making a documentary, but it was kind of just all up in the air at that stage. Is one of the best things I did was take those videographers. Yeah. One had just come off the set of Elvis. He was really experienced and the angles he got and the perspective, it was incredible. And I'm, I'm so grateful for them because they would be there at night, down, knelt mm. down at the front of the boat. I 
wouldn't even see them getting this front up, you know, close up angle, really putting you in the, the seat. Like you feel like you are there with what's happening. And even like your team is incredible. Like imagine you're on the set of Elvis, I'm assuming big production, lots of luxury. Yeah. You know, it's movies, it's mm. US based mm. movies. Now you're on a boat mm. and you can't get off mm. and you're, you're, you're stuck. Yeah. And you've committed to something. I assume the commitment there was fairly mutual between everybody. That's what kept people on water and yeah. moving forward was. The coolest thing was they had so many opportunities where they could have quit. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, I would say to them all the time, if you want to go home, if it's too much, you can. Nothing's keeping you here. They they were volunteering their time. You know, as I said, this, this journey, we couldn't afford to pay people. So we had to find dedicated people wow. who were there for the experience. Mm-hmm. And they wanted a once in a lifetime experience. That is a huge experience, that. isn't it? Right. Right. And they came along and to their credit, never once did they tap out or even wow. talk about tapping out. So it was like an unspoken thing, I think, in the end that we were all in it together. Mm. Yeah. Wow. How cool being the leader of that though. Like and, and how motivating for you knowing that you've got a film crew there. Do you, do you think of yourself? Oh, I love where you're going with that. Mm. Do you think of yourself as a leader? Mm. I do now. I didn't prior. Mm. I had to find that in myself. And I think, you know, I'm I've come from a background as an individual professional athlete. So as an iron woman, it's 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 you on that line. You obviously have well the girls you train with are on that line with you too. You're racing them. This is a whole different thing. I've never had a whole team around me whilst I'm performing or whilst I'm competing to talk, you know, throughout the day about how I'm feeling, all of that. So I had to find it in myself to lead a team because that crew was so important and to lead an all-male team. Most of the time they were all male on the boat. That wasn't easy either. Different personalities at different times, Mm. once crew and skippers and all sorts of things. You know, and then myself, what I was facing in the water, And I had to learn to step up and communicate and back myself and speak directly, but also give the love away. I think if, uh, you know, away from the water, if you nurture someone and find out Mm. about them and build that personal relationship, when it comes to the middle of the ocean and there's a storm and you've got to say to someone really directly, go and do this, it's it's easy. You mesh as a team. So what you, the relationships you build away from the work, I always say, just as important as at work. And I think that's something I encourage people within a workplace to do as well. Find, Take the time to find out about someone's interests and hobbies and family and you'll just build this awesome dynamic where you can communicate really effectively and di- directly. That's so cool. I'm resonating with that and I hope that our listeners also, it's like sometimes because if you you took on responsibility for them as well, you took on that role of being the leader, it's almost like, um, you know, you were keeping them accountable also on their duties and that in, in a way is what helps you sharpen up yourself, doesn't it? And help 100%. you keep going when you know that. You, yeah. Yeah, you feel those moments in life and that was obviously a time where you just stepped up massively into that. Even early on in the planning stages, I didn't have the confidence to put my two cents in. I Mm. thought I'm just the paddler here, that's my role, I don't know enough about the ocean and things. But when I stepped in and started, you know, chipping in my ideas with the skipper, I realised that I'm the one in the water all day feeling these currents and though the forecast might Mm. say something, I actually can feel what's going on. So I started helping to make those calls about what what was going to happen and that's when we really started making progress wow. and putting that buffer on that world record when we all started working together so we brought our different senses of you know expertise but we were we were a unit yeah that's so cool so what 
What did the boat look like? You obviously had a skipper. Were yep. there two skippers in case one skipper got hurt or sick? No, but the crew were experienced, so the crew could and did step up so on that helm. a skipper, how many in the crew? Skipper, there were three crew who yep. were independent from our crew and two of my crew, and my crew's job was to also look after me. So they had to do the videography, look after me, and then take a role in that 24-hour watch system um, on the helm, literally driving the boat, helping with the sails, like they were make cooking cleaning that's mm. the other part of boat life is you've all got to cleaning would be so fundamentally important so so important oh. like and it's funny every skipper has their little like weird things <laughs> like one skipper's no bananas on the boat is like they stink when they go off like different things one said you're absolutely never allowed to wear shoes on the boat like every skipper has their rules about yeah. what's allowed some are a little bit messier than others others are Absolutely, it's got to be sparkling clean. So we had to just kind of adapt and respect those rules as well because it wasn't our boat at the end of the day. And did the skippers donate their time and boat as well or do you have to fund that? We had to fund that. You had to fund that, that, okay. that was the biggest cost of this yep. trip. And there's no way I was ever going to do this trip without a catamaran, not for my family, for my husband. To set out in that water with no boat is just asking for something really bad to happen and no one would ever know what happened to you. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, there's been a few adventurers who have gone missing. There's one guy, Andrew McCauley, he went missing 30K from New Zealand when he paddled from Australia to New Zealand. No wow. one knows what happened. They found his kayak. They never found him. And um, yeah, just hearing his wife, like after that happened, say like, I just wish I'd told him not to go, you know? And I just thought, wow. I want the support crew with me. And I'm looking at this from a high performance perspective. I want to do this faster than anyone's ever mm -hmm. done it. And Guinness World Records, you know, mm -hmm. they said it can be supported or unsupported. So that made sense to me. Yes, good. I've wow. had people good. say, they said, oh, you have a some people on social media, you had a support boat. I'm like, I was 500K out to say, yeah. like, you, you literally are. Hey, hey, yeah. going to find some. How's that couch going? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Seriously. So, Seriously. Although one one man, the, my favourite one, told me I was going to get eaten by crocodiles. So he's like, you will get eaten by crocodiles in Western Australia. There's no way you can get past that. We've done wow. everything we could to prepare and learning all about where, you know, the areas not to go. And he just kept coming at me with the crocodiles. So I think I had to block that one. But, yeah. Oh, you know. Some people, hey. You get some interesting ones. But that's okay. It, it, comes, it comes with the territory. If you're going to do something, you know, that's maybe previously considered impossible or very difficult. Um, yeah, you, you're going to attract the people who have, have doubts. So I learned to laugh it off. Though, you need that. that adds, and, it yeah. adds to the motivation. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So Wow. There were some cool things happening. And I just want to say a little thank you to the sons as well. So I remember Matt called me from Darwin, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Greg, Bonnie can't hold food down. She's dying. Da, da, da. Like it was, and after we, he, he told me for like half an hour how it's all been going. He said, I need I need to get some supplements up here straight away. We've got a two-day window, I yep. think it was. Yep. And I'm like, mate, there is no way I can get products up to where you were in two days. And then, thankfully, uh, the Gold Coast Suns, the players, took mm -hmm. your products up for you. Yeah, like that's – that's Perfect timing. Yeah. Was, coming up to, to play in Darwin. Yep. Oh, who they played the first week? I'm just trying to remember. They played two of the Melbourne teams who were up there. And, and they smashed it when the Suns were up. They played so, so well. I actually – You came, caught up with them too, didn't caught you? Caught up yeah. with them, came and had a chat with them. Um, their massage therapist actually gave me a massage before I set back oh, out. So it was good. amazing. And so, yeah, just again, like, you know, we went – so long with just the crew with no external, you know, contact that even just seeing them and talking to them and, you know, they're, they're incredible. So, and 
to have those products delivered like that. It was just meant to be. Oh, I remember making the phone call to them and I'm thinking, I've got no chance here, but I'm going to have a crack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it was just great. Like they just straight away went, yes, we're in. It was amazing. And I'm so, so glad those types of little things, that's just one thing in a massive wheel of stuff that happened for you. But I just want, from my side in that, I just want to say thanks to them for for that because Matt was fairly, well, I can understand why you got you over the border in WA because he doesn't give up. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's it. He's very persistent and- and that, um, you know, drive that he has. And I think he was so determined to make this happen because yeah. we'd gotten all the way to, to Darwin. Like you said, I wasn't holding food down. It was 40 degrees as well. Oh, it was wow. 40 degrees. It was 32 in the water. So 32 Yuck. degrees in the water, which is just like a bath. So there is no relief. Um, we started using these cooling towels, which are random. You wet them and then actually swing them around and they do cool. But yep. it would cool you for five seconds. Yeah, to actually get those shakes up there I could have in the day was was really a saviour. So, yeah, on your mat. <laughs> yeah, good man. Hey, quick question. What was worse, the paddling in the cold or the paddling in the heat? That is such a good question because while I was in the cold, I thought I will never, ever complain about it being too hot. And when I was getting seared by the sun, I thought I'd rather go back to the down, not the bite particularly, but down to Victoria. <laughs> I would rather paddle oh, probably in the heat, but maybe... I don't know how I could be more prepared, maybe have some kind of device which could shade me if I was to do it. I think yep. that was mm. the biggest thing was no shade on mm. my ski. Yeah, okay. And Matt actually had thought of that. He's, he's an ideas man, so he's always thinking of things. He thought maybe we can put some sort of backrest in your ski or like a shade. I thought, no, no, I'll be fine. And so it was that sickly feel, like heat, he, you know, yeah. sunstroke type feeling. Mm. But I think the cold, you just never get warm and you expend so much energy Shaking and being cold, I would probably rather paddle in the heat, but I would be more prepared if possible. Yeah. And that would, the only way to be more prepared would be to put a device on my ski which shaded me. Mm. I've just had a little flashback then when you talked about the sun's um, physio giving you a massage. So you had your film guys massaging you the whole 12,700 for the rest of it. Yeah. So did they do any courses or anything like that? Or were you just saying lower, no. higher, harder, deeper? <laughs> no, and I hope they're listening to this because not at all. That was a constant joke. Like they're just figuring it out. Like I think this must feels tight we'll just get oh, into that oh one no. yeah yeah and they got better and better and they did the cupping and everything <laughs> and it helped a lot like i managed to avoid injury yeah. the whole way That's around so cool. like i had some sort of bit of a golf elbow in wa but i paddled that far without injury they really really held held my body together well like did you get tendonitis in your elbow in wa and still kept paddling <sighs> yes i i had a couple of days off where it was a bit of relief uh, but the worst thing was the bulging disc and i could feel that start around Northern Territory when we entered that water. And by the time I got back to Queensland, I was just like gritting my teeth and every stroke hurt. And I knew what it was. A physio had looked at it and said it was bulging discs. I hadn't had scans. I knew what it was. And I thought the only way to cure a bulging disc is to stop, first of Mm. all, the the activity that's flaring it up. But I couldn't. I had to keep going. So that was hard too because I thought, am I doing permanent damage here? I don't know. And it took about two months when I got back for that to settle down. But every Mm. stroke I took, I thought this could be Mm. worsening this for the rest of my life. And will it have been worth it? I'm not sure, but yes. Well, I'll give you something to talk about when you're 60 and you can't get out of your chair. Yeah. Oh, my God. I made it, though. Come back. Come back. Well, hopefully. You absolutely inspire me as an athlete. You are an incredible human. And I just love you being part of body science. Thank you. Yeah. I love the two 
from the athlete and also from the knowledge base that you have. You Thank know, you. it's a and it's awesome, and I love you're a perfect fit following the other body science athletes' journey. I think there's such a mix of athletes. Mm. So that's endurance athletes, explosive athletes, individual team sports, and like you said, where sports going at the moment? It's incredible. You see all of these different sports getting more of a platform. You know, athletes are becoming more and more articulate. It's so interesting, and I'm so excited for where it's going. Yeah, I've got to let you on a little secret here. We've, we're launching a hydration drink Mm -hmm. so that's coming out and we're also doing some electrolyte gummies and it was from talking to you that you started in that process of it that it really is a big hole in our brand as a sports nutrition brand so yeah we've uh we've got all the products you need for your next one (laughs) there you go i just thought that i might have to go and test those out that's it and you know things that are convenient and taste good Mm, and i think body science does so well at that right like you want something that's going to taste good and you can hold down particularly when you have that extreme amount of exertion you know you don't want to be how good would that just a little sachet of Little red berry gummies to chew on while you're out there. That's Might have held one or two of them down. That the M&M in your ears and you're good to go. There Just go. chew oh. along to lose, lose yourself. You motivated <laughs> me to get that back into our range. Like We had it years ago and then low carb came. And the whole sports nutrition industry went low carb. But yeah, it's, it's good to see it coming back in our brand. And you inspired yeah. me to go down that path. That's so awesome. Thank you. And it all comes out pretty soon, actually. So it's exciting. Yeah. And it'll yeah. help so many people in so many different ways. And, you know, there's so many endure- cool endurance sports as well. Just, you know, speaking from my perspective that I did an adventure race on the weekend, which was so fun. That's Red Bull space. Defiance, how was it? Red Bull Defiance. It was so hard. Um, there's one time I was running in the middle of the forest and we were climbing up a muddy hill. And I said to my partner, my race partner, Beck, think I'd rather paddle 150K than do this right now. And she's like, you're joking. I'm like, no, I'm pretty serious. It was awesome. It was everything you'd probably expect from a Red Bull race. Yeah, exactly. So much outside your comfort zone. You look back and like, that was epic. So yeah, maybe uh, the old uh, hydration gummies next year if I ever come back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look, is there anyone you want to say thank you to or anything you want to tell us before we go? I mean, you're dropping a book, you're dropping a a documentary, you've got so many people that helped you on the way, you've supported charities. I mean, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that tie with Gotcha for Life is so important and, you know, doing more and more work with them, Shoreham Partners as well is- is Massive supporters, aren't they? Absolutely essential. How good are they? They're amazing and I never would have got to the start line without them I remember ringing Earl and pitching the idea to him and I think he thought who is this crazy person you know mm. he'd known me as an iron woman he came on board backed me in as did body science and it's you know people like yourselves that gave me the belief that I could do it as well and it's really exciting where Surf Life Savings going with Shore and Partner support um, is awesome and I think maybe it'll get back to the glory days where it once was in the That's 80s cool. and 90s right cool. it's not very often that you see a brand revolutionize the sport like these days because it, it's such a big play. Yeah. He has dead set changed and turned that sport upside down. 100%. It's, and it's, lots of sports too. Rugby league's benefiting from it. Yeah. Like lots of people are benefiting. Definitely. Because they're involved. They're involved in the V8s. Um, they're involved they with too, the yeah. NRL. And I think, you know, with the Seagulls, I think seeing how it's done well with promotion and marketing. He's kind of bringing that to Surf Life Saving, yeah. giving it a bit of flair, encouraging the athletes to be professional in everything they do. And it's going to keep taking the standard up, which is great for the sport. Yeah. Summer Series, is that what it's called? Summer Surf Series. Summer Surf yep. Series, yeah. They have one of the big rounds, the Shannon Eckstein Classic mm-hmm. at the Gold Coast. It's turned it on about eight foot surf every year. Oh, well, well, we had a stand there this year, <laughs> yes. actually. Yeah, it was yep. a every year, good sport it's, to watch. It's, right, it's like cyclone season around that February, <laughs> so it 
picks up and, you know, they do the big VIP area, the big like finish line there. They put the juniors have their race in the same arena yep. to encouraging the next generation, which That's is cool. something I'm hugely passionate about. So yeah, Earl at Shaw and Partners is doing some really good things. Nice work, Earl. Nice work. Well, Bonnie, thanks for coming on. We love you here. You are Thank welcome you. anytime. Thank you, Body Science. Mark, thanks, thanks for coming on. Mark's yeah. a world champion too in <laughs> lifting tin. Uh, thanks, Bonnie. That's been inspirational. Two world champions and one, one couch. I'm What's the good good couch? What's oh, no. the event? I need to hear. This oh one. no, no, this is um, uh, ten years ago now. Fitness modeling with Muscle Mania yeah, Federation right. as a as a natural fitness model. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. super competitive mm. as well, right? Mm. Where was yeah, yeah, same blood sugar issues. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, different different reasons. <laughs> yeah, it was in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of win an Australian division and you get selected to go over to America. And then yeah, right. Competed there and, and then it's a taxing France sport. Too, for people to understand what you guys do, it's oh pretty my taxing. gosh, yeah, yeah, mentally, you know, absolutely. like yeah. mentally, the sacrifices. Yeah. Not everyone could do that. It's crazy. It's, it's very much just trying to use it as a goal to get yourself into the best shape of yeah. your life, though. Hey, yeah, and then not worry about what the competition lands up being on the day, but knowing that 100%. it's already a win because you've gone through the journey yeah. and you got to the place that you want to be. And then it's the time to shine and enjoy the actual day, whatever happens. So definitely, I was fortunate that the results all went my way, but since then I've tried to transfer it into that sort of ethos of coaching others yeah. Yeah. to think like that because it is a subjective sport. Like It's up to that Absolutely. set of judges on the day. Yeah, I've never think. been involved. Is it? Yeah. And it's funny, yeah, when you do the preparation, that's when you feel the most relax when it yeah. comes to competition or game day. Mm. Mm. So when you say, I've done everything I can, whether it's massive surf, it's kind of mm. out of my hands to some degree or a subjective yeah. sport, yeah. you get there and you enjoy it. Yes. You know, no stones unturned. So Yes. That's yeah, cool. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. So, Bonnie, if you want to catch up with you, we're looking for some coaching or we're looking for some Corporate experience, we get you at... Yeah, absolutely. So I'll say it clearly this time, yes. bonniehancock.com or across any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. would absolutely come and love to come and talk to your workplace, talk to your sporting group um, and share the learnings from my paddle as well, um, you know, about team building, um, resilience, a whole bunch of things. So, um, yeah, get in touch. Bit of a high-performance coach management program going there too, I'd say, in the future. Hopefully. Yeah, nice work. Thanks for coming on board. 